Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Signs, Wonders, and Miracles. Tonight we'll be discussing the symptoms of witchcraft and continue in Acts chapter 11. Uh, Seems Pastor James is... There he is. Let me just open his mic. Well, hello, Pastor James. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Sitting up here enjoying the weather for the first time, and I don't know when you... It's warm down here in Kansas City. It's getting up to the 40s here. Yep, it's getting up to the 40s here, and I was just telling Harold today when he came on, I said, but it's supposed to be spring. It's technically spring. Where is the weather? Yeah, it's almost 70 here, but it's supposed to snow Sunday, Saturday and Sunday here. That's Kansas City for you. If you don't like our weather, stick around. We'll change for you. That used to be a New England saying, but now it's happening all over the country. The weather's been getting a little cranky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Try to get a hook of this new mic that I got, but it, it I see I'm going to have to do some other thing. Because I was trying to go, try to go through my uh, computer. But from what I've seen, I had to pay to go through the computer uh, to get to, uh, I guess, Skype. Oh, if you supposedly, the theory is, and this hasn't been working lately, once the show starts, and we have started, by the way, um, you can hit Skype and it just is supposed to connect. Yes, it's just supposed to connect, but it hasn't been doing that for people lately. So. Oh, I didn't even know that. I guess my clock is off then. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Well, hello, everybody. I'm sorry to be late, but I've been sitting here watching my clock and thinking I still have plenty of time. All right. Well, as I say, we want to try to continue from the Acts 11 today. And also, I want to talk about symptoms of witchcraft because so many people are being attacked right now. I mean, I'm constantly getting people calling me, talking about uh, somebody's working witchcraft on me. Something's going wrong. I think I got curses on me. I think somebody put a curse on me. And the thing is, these things are real. The devil wants to make you think that the spirit realm is not real. The devil wants to get you confused and think, well, no, nobody's putting a curse on me. It's just I got bad luck. Or things that just seem to happen to me, or just seem to happen to my family. Uh, my uncle, he got killed driving a car, and then uh, his son got killed driving a car. Well, that could be just that's coincidence. There's a lot of times things are not coincidence. They are actually curses that somebody that put on your family. It could have been put on maybe two or three generations ago. That at a certain time, a certain part of that person's uh, bloodline will receive the curse and get them killed. Like this one lady, she was riding, her, she's a Sunday school teacher, and she's riding down the road with her family and everything. And they got to this bridge, and she asked her husband to stop the car, and he did. And she ran down the bridge and got ready to jump off, and he jumped and tackled her, keeping her from killing herself. And the demon spoke, well, this is a, gener- this is a family curse, and she was supposed to die. And that's why it attacked her at that time. But like as I say, with signs, wonders, and miracles, everything in the Bible is real. The spirit realm is real. 
God is real. The devil is real. And the more you study the book of Acts, the more you will see things there. So let us turn to uh, the 11th chapter of uh, Acts, starting with the first verse. The 11th chapter of Acts, starting with the first verse. And it starts with this wise. And the apostles and brothers that were at Judea heard that Gentiles also received the word of God. What is the word of God? A lot of people say, well, it's the death, burial, and resurrection. Yes, that's some of it. But the main part of the word of God, the, the freedom part of it, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It talks there's going to be a Savior coming. They didn't call him Jesus at that time. They just said there was going to be a Savior and that he would come and that uh, his death would bring comfort or peace to a suffering world. Well, they thought it just meant the Jews, but the more they understood it, it meant not only for the Jews but for the whole world that his death would bring comfort and his resurrection would show you that the word of God works and everything that Jesus said pertained toward life. And so when they said uh, that first verse, and he also received, they also received the word of God. When Peter stood up, uh, when Peter came up to Jerusalem, that they were circumcised, contend with him. Circumcised means these were Jewish people. And they were arguing with him because they didn't think the Gentiles should be saved. Or a Gentile means one who does not have a covenant with God or the rest of the world. It's either Jewish or Gentile. Saying that when he was uh, went into being uncircumcised and did eat with them, and Peter rehearsed the matter from beginning and expound uh, it by ordering them to them saying, "I was in the city of Joppa praying. In a trance, I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended, and also has been a great sheet let down from the heavens by four corners, and it came even unto me." And upon which I was fast, fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has any time entered into my mouth. But the voice said to me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, do not call common. And this was done three times, and all was drawn up again into the heavens. And behold, there were three men already coming to the house where I was staying from Caesarea unto me. Now look at this thing. First thing it says, these people who were circumcised, the Jews, didn't think that, that people who are non-Jewish could be saved. And then uh, here's Peter eating with Gentile people, and they call us beasts at that time. And because they call us a beast, that's why uh, they call us different animals, uh, well, let's say a pig or or anything that is not kosher or that was considered being blessed by the Jews were things that they shouldn't be with and they shouldn't eat. So when uh, God let down this thing of the four-foot beast, upon the earth and the wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air 
some people misunderstand that means, oh, that's what we're supposed to eat now. No, that's what we were called. We were called beasts, wild animals and stuff. And so once that God says they're no longer unclean, I want you to go out there and get them the word of God so they can understand about the revelation that there is a Savior who's able to save them from their sins and that they would be able to be in right standing with the one true God, okay? And so uh, when Peter first uh, knew that he was getting ready to talk to these people, he rehearsed it so he would tell them exactly what happened during that time. He was on top of a roof. He went into a trance. Now, is trance good? Well, the Bible says that Peter went into a trance. And uh, when you go into trance, all it means is that you clear your mind. It ain't you doing some, calling on some demons or owns and all this stuff like that, but you clear your mind because you can't hear the Holy Spirit if you're thinking, are you praying out loud? I tell people all the time, when you get ready, when somebody's praying for you, keep your mouth quiet. So that way, uh, you can hear what's going on. It's a, a seed being planted in you. Now, if they plant something wrong, you stop them. If they put a curse on you, you stop them. But other than that, you let the, the seed be planted so the seed can get watered, and that way God can bring forth uh, fruit in you. So anyway, as, they, uh, as the person is being prayed for and stuff, a lot of times they want to get in and say, uh, Praise the Lord. Thank God. Or they want to help with doing deliverance sometimes. But how can, how can you hear if you're talking at the same time? God wants to talk so everybody can hear. And the quieter you are, the more you will hear. And that way you can see when a, a deliverance is going for, that you may be able to hear the same time that this other person who's doing deliverance hear the Holy Spirit speak. So as I said, the main thing about the gospel, the good news, the tidings, good tidings uh, is the not only the death, burial, and resurrection, but the prophecy that you can be saved even if you were not born a Jew. So let's continue on here. And so as he, as he was sitting there on the 11th verse, there came three men that were outside from Caesarea. And here's the strange thing. God deals in numbers. And there's something about the number three. I know it means the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But there's something more significant about that number. Because if you double that number, uh, you'll get six. And six and three is nine. And then there's another three makes 12. Well, those are the numbers that, and I'm getting a little off track here, but those are the numbers that it seemed like the whole universe is set up on three, six, and twelve. Three, six, and twelve. And even Jesus, you know, he had his disciples. He had twelve disciples. When he went to go pray, he had three of them be with him: James, John, and Peter. Uh, when he said, "I'd be uh, in the ground three days, three nights," a lot of stuff is. If we understand the secret code of what God has given us, our lives will change. All right, but let's keep on going here. The 12th verse, and the Spirit bade unto me, 
to go doubting nothing. Moreover, the six brothers accomplished me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, one whose surname is Peter. We shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. It didn't say could be saved. It says shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them or came down upon them as upon as the beginning. Then I remembered I, the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For much, then as the Lord gave them like gifts as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that could withstand God? Now, this is still going on according to the book, I mean, to Jesus' revelation or the prophecy. It said that when the Messiah would come, that his spirit would be poured out into all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and young men have visions. It also tells us that... Uh, uh, according to Paul, there are nine spiritual gifts. And when you get saved, when you really get filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have one of those nine gifts operating in you. That's So God is letting you know that you are saved. Now, sometimes we don't recognize we have these gifts. And some of us have been working with the devil so long, they think, oh, these are, these are psychics. These are psychic gifts. No, they're spiritual gifts. Now, that God uses for his glory, but the devil counterfeits them and makes you think, oh, yeah, uh, I, can pro- I can prophesy, I can read palms and all that. What you're doing is you're hearing from a familiar spirit who's out there in the spiritual realm that knows things. And that's why people, when they, oh, yeah, you, you're, you're born in a family of 12 kids and, and your oldest son is named such and such and uh, such and such died at a certain time. If it ain't the Holy Spirit telling them, it's a demon telling them. So that's why you have to be careful when you go out trying to find out who is speaking to you. You've got to be able to discern. And discern is one of the gifts, which means to be able to judge starting at the 18th verse. And when they heard these things, they held at peace and glorified God. Then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. In other words, we, we are Gentiles. We are saved by the grace of God, not to go out and keep on sinning. You hear me? But we are saved that we can repent from what we did and start a new direction. It said, 19, it said, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose, that arose above Stephen, traveling as far as to the Phoenicians, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to none but only the Jews. As I told you, at, at one time, God considered us animals, wild animals, and only the people that you know, the people say, well, that means all those people that died, they went to hell and stuff. No, because whatever is in your heart, if you do is back in those days, if you did what was in your heart, what was right. In other words, you there was a conscience in you that let you know the difference between right and wrong. And you lived the best you knew how. 
then you get judged that way. God is a judge. He's not a, a, a being sitting up there just trying to destroy people. He wants the best of the best of the best. And if you don't have knowledge of, of him, but you do those things that would be like if you had knowledge of him, you will be saved if you had no way of hearing about Jesus or God's salvation plan. Now, starting at 20, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they came into Antioch spoke unto the Galatians, speaking or preaching the Lord Jesus And the hand of the Lord was on them, and great number believed and turned to the Lord. Now, what it says, when it says God's hands on them, the Lord's hands on them, it means thought. It's one of the Hebrew words. It's the tenth letter of the Hebrew, and yud is the word. Yud means thought. So when God's hands up on you, that means God is thinking of you. God is remembering you. That's why sometimes you go through a test and you just say, where is God? Where is God? He's there. But he's not doing anything. He wants you to go through the test so that you'll learn to depend on him for everything. Because other than that, you'll start thinking you're doing something. Uh, my my hands got this. My thoughts got this. My power got this. No. When you start understanding that you have to depend on the Lord for everything, then you'll understand it's his thought, his remembrance. That's why when that lady poured the uh, tears on his uh, feet to wash it, they called it, uh, it was a, a thing of remembrance. He said, this will be remembered of you because God always respects things that's going to glorify him. And she humbles herself to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, every time you see that word, hand on you, you remember to place that as he remembers you. He's thinking about you. And that way you can stop worrying about things and knowing that God got you covered. Now, when things are not going good and things are going bad, it doesn't matter. He's still there, but he'll never forget you. He'll never forget you. He'll never forget you. So just keep on, uh, continue on working and doing the things that's pleasing in his sight. Then it says, and the tidying of these things, or the report of these things, came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, seeing the grace of God, was glad and exhorted or urged them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. In other words, uh, there's a scripture in the Bible, I think it's Psalms 42, where uh, David said that his heart panted after the Lord like a, a deer would after water. In other words, we got the hunger and thirst after the Lord, which is the word, which will teach us to do those things that's pleasing in his sight. And the first thing he asks us to do is to crucify ourselves. That means I got to beat myself up and kill myself? No. The word what he's talking about, crucify the flesh, is talking about your ego. Your ego is what gets you in trouble. Pride is the thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Ego and pride runs together. He wants to humble ourselves, you know, under the mighty hand of God. 
And as you start to study the word of God, the more knowledge you're going to get of God, the more you'll understand, well, I've been suffering for years and years and years. Lady suffered for uh, 18 years. God healed them. People suffered for many, 20 years, and God healed them. Why does God wait so long? I have no clue, except for one thing. The more you, the more you realize you ain't the one that can heal yourself, you ain't the one that is the power of God, that you uh, start humbling yourself and try to look at everything, what you can do to please God. Right now, uh, I just got through doing a deliverance, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, about witchcraft and stuff. Let's keep on reading here. Then it says, the 24th uh, verse, it says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of faith. You notice it's a three there. It says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and faith. Three things. And it says, and much people were added unto the Lord. People will come to your church when they see miracles. I mean miracles. Not one miracle, not two miracles. Miracles. The church that I'm at right now, the Lord has been blessing every. Every Sunday we see miracles. We see uh we have seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open, backs healed, cancer healed, um demons coming out of folks constantly. Because Jesus came to set the captives free. And how can I prove that Jesus is the Messiah? There were three tests that that the Messiah had to do. Three of them. And one of the tests was he had to heal somebody that was born blind. He had to heal somebody born blind. That was one of the tests. The second test was he had to heal a leopard. Now, Jesus did that too. The third test was to heal a deaf and dumb person. Deaf and dumb. That means that person cannot hear and he couldn't speak. Did Jesus fulfill that? He sure did. Now, if he did one, that was the astronautical figure on that. Two, there's no need of us trying to figure it up. Three, it's just impossible for our mind to figure it up. But Jesus did all three of them. That proved that he was the Messiah or God because they even said, who can forgive sin except God? And didn't realize the God they talking about they serve was right there in front of him. So anyway, he could have signed out a high. The, uh, so then at the 25th verse, it says, Then departed Barnabas to Tartarus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. See, if you notice, Christians, we weren't called Christians at first. We were called Catholic. And Catholic means universal. But now we have what they call Roman Catholic, which is not the same. It is not the same. Roman Catholic is Catholicism, and it has... uh, uh, statues and stuff you pray to and paintings and all that. That is not the church. 
the word Catholic originally meaning was universal church. But also they called us Christian because that means we were Christ-like. We imitate the ones we follow, just like Buddha, people imitate Buddha, we imitate Christ. Then it says, and in those days came prophets from Jerusalem and Antioch. Why is that scripture there? These about the prophets, because the most important thing about the gospel is prophecy and the revelation of Jesus Christ who is the prophecy. He fulfilled those the three things I gave you just then and let you know that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that he is the word of God. Everything was created by him and nothing was that was created without him. This is why when we uh, testify or witness the people, we shouldn't just witness, well, you know, Jesus died for your sin. Jesus was buried because of, of your sin and all that. We need to give them the whole gospel. Starting at the beginning where it says, Genesis 3 and 15, said that uh, the woman would have a seed and that seed would crush the devil's seed. And that is the beginning of the first prophecy and all through the Bible. You read about prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. Even in the very end, the book of Revelation is the prophecy. And that's what we have to look at. So a lot of times we're, we're battling things that we don't realize we have power over them. Uh, I say, as I tell you, science the science wonders and miracles, that's what we talk about. That's why I have, I'm reading this book of Acts right now. And because of signs, wonders, and miracles, this is what we're supposed to walk in. If your church has not seen a sign or a wonder in years, you're in a dead church. And people say, well, you need to resurrect it. Look, if it don't want to be resurrected, you need to go find a live church. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Let the blind lead the blind. They'll both fall into a ditch. Everybody don't want to be saved. Everybody is not trying to serve God. There's a lot of people that's faking and shaking. There's a lot of witchcraft in the pulpit, and y'all consider it uh, an act of God. You think they're uh, prophets, and they're actually warlocks. How do you know that you're around a warlock? How do you know that that person that uh, is teaching you the word of God is truly a man or a woman of God. See, you got to be able to discern. If you ain't got, to, you can't discern, then you're going through the motions of having God with you, but you don't have God with you. So that's why I tell people to seek the Word of God and understand what is the gospel and what is the gospel talking about. Yes, Lord. Let's keep on going here. And. The 28th verse, and they stood up, one of them named Agabus, signified by the spirit that he should be great, uh, great dread throughout all the world. And he came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brothers which dwell in Judea, which they 
they did and sent unto the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now here's the thing. You want to be you want finances in your life? Give to the poor. For the person who gives to the poor that's believing in Jesus lends unto God. And God is not going to be in debt. So I'm trying to tell you a lot of people, oh, I, I need to do this and I want to do this for God and I want I want uh, this for God so I can do that for him. But first of all, look around you. Help those people that need help. And you got enough. That you, if you don't buy nothing but pampers or a glass or some water or something for people that's poor, that don't have anything, God will pay you back with interest, with interest. And as you see, we, as we're reading in the 11th chapter, it talks about signs, wonders, and miracles. Peter in a trance, the people uh, having an angel come to your house. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I would love to have angels visiting me. I have seen angels, and they have appeared to me in human form. Uh, I can describe what one seen that I seen at the public library. But as I say, signs, wonders, and miracles. And that was this guy. He had the most bluish eyes I've ever seen, a golden-looking hair. He had on a jean outfit, and I was praying. That's how you get angels in. I'm trying to tell you. I was praying. And as I was praying, I said, Lord, what is the word you use to open deaf ears? And all of a sudden, when this man came to me, he did walk straight to me. He said, the word is Ephatha. You'll find it in the book of Mark. He smiled at me and walked right back out. I went and looked up in the book of Mark, and I found that word. I tried to find people that were deaf, and I was praying for everybody that was deaf, and nothing happened. Nobody got healed. But then I'm down in a place called Mount Vernon, Illinois, and while I was there, uh, this lady came up for prayer. She was deaf, and as she uh, as she was uh, as she came there, I heard the Lord said, "This is the person you've been looking for for 20 years." And I told us her friends that was where I said, "I've been looking for this lady for 20 years." I laid hands and prayed for it. Instantly, she got a hearing back. Another time, I'm up there in uh, Detroit. This boy was deaf and dumb for two years. He was 16 years old. Uh, I'll make a long story short. I prayed for him, and he got his hearing back, and he was able to talk. Why? Because the Word says that if we obey God and submit ourselves unto God and resist the devil, that the devil will flee from me. He had a devil in him, and that's why he wasn't able to speak or hear. Now, one of the things that you – or a few of the things that you can think about that attacks your family is witchcraft. All witchcraft is running rampant here in the, in the world, not just in the United States, but in the world. And a lot of these people, they don't call themselves witches or warlocks. They just be uh, doing what they call witchcraft, means wishing things bad for you. And that's why you got to be very careful in what you say, because we're going to be judged for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. And because of the idle words like uh this man and the woman, they're together, they, she's pregnant, and all of a sudden he's mad at her. He said, I wish this baby wasn't born. Or she said, I wish I wasn't having this baby. You just put a curse upon that baby. And that baby just had a door open for a demon to enter in. Does that mean it all the time? No, it doesn't always happen that way, but it can. Another thing is a person that keeps getting married over and over again, 
there's a demon called uh, Adamus. And what he does, he's the one that causes divorces. I had a friend of mine, he was talking to his wife, and they were happy and everything. And all of a sudden, she hauled off and hit him and knocked him flat. And he got off the floor, and he said, why did you do that? She said, because you called me a name. And he said, I didn't call you no name. And as he was getting ready to hit her back, because he, you know how some people are, you hit me, I'm going to hit you. As he got ready to hear her back, the Lord spoke to him. He said, it wasn't him. Uh, she, she did hear a voice, but it wasn't his voice. But it sounded just like it was a spirit that was in his house, that somebody was imitating his voice. And that's what happened. Another time, he's laying in the bed. I'm talking about witchcraft and stuff. He was laying in his bed, and his wife next to him, and all of a sudden, she's having sex. And it wasn't with him. And he got up out of his bed because, he, as I say, he he was a minister. Got up out of his bed, got his gun, ran down the street, kicked the man's door open, and said, leave my wife alone. And the man said, I don't know how you knew it was me, but I won't bother her again. Witchcraft is real. And they try to come to steal, kill, and destroy. They want to destroy your marriage. They want to destroy your children. They want to destroy family life. If you always have arguments in your house, all the time argument, there's a curse on your family. It's, uh, here's uh, uncle so-and-so. He's a thief. The, his brother was a thief. The people, uh, the bloodline before them was thief. That is some kind of curse has been put on your family. It is not normal for a whole family to be full of thieves and stuff like that or full of liars and stuff like that. There's a curse on your family. And if you look back, you'll find that what the stronghold is. It's somebody in that family who put a curse on the family. It could be family in the bloodline or somebody outside the bloodline that says this family shall never prosper. They'll never get anywhere. They'll always go have problems, and they'll always have accidents. Have you ever seen a family who every, t- every time you look up, somebody in the family is having a car accident? The same family, or somebody having, uh, everybody's having cancer in that family, or everybody's having a heart attack in that family. Look for the curses. Look for the strongholds. Look to see if there's somebody practicing witchcraft in your family. And the only way you're going to find out is by discerning a spirit. You stay around a person. You can tell if a person is uh, uh, one who likes to start arguments, and then or I'll give you a good example. They throw a rock through the window, and then they had their hands and said, I didn't do it. They're looking at everybody, I didn't do it. I keep an eye on that person. And now what can you do against witchcraft? You know, it's, it's bad enough that witches are attacking. In fact, about it, uh, Darcy, will you come back on again and give them the number and stuff where they can call so they can ask questions? Okay, the number is? Six four six five nine five four seven and press one. I did have a curse on my family. I broke it. Okay. All the males. What what kind of curse? It was all the males in the family didn't live past sixty, and some of them lived, you know, Hmm. died way before, and and just in odd circumstances. You know, I had uh, one fell off the back of a fire truck. Mm. 
things. So, yeah, the, the curses hear. are real, and they do come down the generational line. So I broke that sucker, you know, once I discovered mm-hmm. it. Amen. Amen. I, I had to do a movie. Uh, I did a movie about about five years ago. It was called Curse the Bell Witch. It was on A&E, and it was not a uh, – uh, Hollywood type movie, but it was done by a person who was an actor and a producer, and it was a true story. Uh, I had to go to uh, Tennessee. What is the name of that place? Uh, can't think of the name of it, but it's it's a true story. I went there, and as I was breaking the curses on this family, because their curse was a person couldn't they never live past thirty. The firstborn would die before they were thirty years old. And I, I'm saying, whatever the firstborn is, they were not going to live past 30. And this father wanted me to break the curse off of his son before he became 30, that he could live. So anyway, as we were breaking the curse, they heard the demon scream in in the the cave. They heard it scream as we were breaking the curse. And later on that day, we found that there was a, a number of people who were killed at that uh, army post which was right down the road from where we was at. I uh, can't think of that name of that city, but it's called Curse, the Bell Witch. If you go on A&E, you'll find it. But like I said, these things that's so important that people need to know what they are and then how to break it. And a lot of times people, God doesn't like lazy people. And I'm not just telling like it is. He does not like lazy people. If people want something bad enough, they're hungry and thirsty, bad enough, God will reveal himself. And as he reveals himself, he reveals the truth which is in the word. And the word will set you free. Well, as I say, anybody out there have any questions today about witchcraft? Or, or do you have a curse in your family? Or do you want to see? I just got through with a lady recently. She came up here from uh, Texas. And she had been married to a warlock. Her boyfriend, after she got divorced, was a, another warlock, and now she's a married a man of God. And any relationships that she had in between would never last. That's that's a sure thing of showing you there's a curse upon you, and that curse has to be broken. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, as she was here and we started doing deliverance on her, of course, the demons are going to come up. You're going to have uh, – Jezebel, Ahab, and things like that. But in the background of this, you're going to have the witch or the warlock. And what they do is they call what they call soul transference. In other words, because they've been with you, they can put a part of themselves in you. And you don't know what's there, and they're able to control you, your emotions and stuff, make you angry when you're not angry. They had no reason to be mad or make you do something that you would normally wouldn't do. And that's because you dealt with a witch or a warlock. So anyway, to break that curse, we did what we call general curse breakings. We get the person ready. And as we get the person ready, we do curse breakings by renunciation. Renunciate things in our family. Renunciate past relationships. Renounce anything that's going to open me up to the kingdom of darkness. And then make sure there is no retaliation afterwards. So once we did that, then we broke strongholds. 
once we did broken the strongholds and stuff, a stronghold is where uh, demons get in and they hide behind this stronghold or a weakness in your family. Uh, let's say there's in your bloodline, they like to steal. Well, he'll get in there and he'll go in there with stealing and then he'll bring in lying and then eventually brings in murder. Because if you steal, you'll kill. And if you kill, you'll lie. You'll do all these things, which is the kingdom of darkness. So anyway, uh, we started doing deliverance on her, and then all of a sudden the warlock looked at me, which was inside the woman. And I spoke to it, got his name, and once I got his name, I was he told me he was a god, and there was nothing that I could do to him. He let me know he's a god. I said, no, no, you a demigod. That means false god. But the power of God, if you're really with the man of God, you know what the Bible said, I just read it, where he was full of the Holy Ghost. And being full of the Holy Ghost, I reached and grabbed his arm, and he screamed. And he said, I'll do whatever you tell me. Just let me go. No. I had to beat him up first to let him know that, hey, God is with the people that that really serve God. God is with the person who really submitted himself unto God. God is with the person that the Holy Spirit can flow through, and the Holy Spirit is hot. He's fire, especially against the kingdom of darkness. And so anyway, to make a long story short, we got that thing on the woman. She felt a lot better. Later on, that warlock attacked her son, I mean her daughter. They called me up over the phone. We talked over the phone because there's no distance with prayer. And once you know who you are in Christ, really know who you are, not faking and shaking, then you can ask God to do miracles, signs, and wonders. And so as we were praying, her daughter got set free. And sound about she was nine years old, and she was saying how she felt so much better. At first, she was uh, uh, running out around the house, did not want to be delivered. Things talking about, I'm not going to let her go. That was a, that was a warlock. But anyway, I've been waiting on nobody's calling today. Okay. Yeah, we have a question. Area code 702, your mic is open. All right. Well, good evening, Pastor James. Good evening, Daniel. How you doing? I'm doing very good today. Uh, so Amen. I, I had a, another question lined up for you, but... This uh, talk about witchcraft actually gave me another one. So, okay. uh, I want to talk about yes, sir. I want to talk about the witchcraft thing first. I just, I just think it's it's kind of wild how like witches and warlocks can put parts of their self. Is it is it their soul or is it their their mind that they put into you? And is that does that give them a – are they able to, like, a remote control control you or just, like, they make a prayer for you to get angry or something? Oh, that's a good question. The uh, What they do is they do what they call a soul transfer. In other words, a part of their soul, which is a part of their thought, their mind, is able to enter in what we call the ley lines. Most of the time we call it silver cord or witchcraft, but there's a ley line, 
and they can travel those lines and enter into a person. They could be in more than one person at the same time. And that's what causes uh, they can do uh, know what you're doing, what you're thinking, because uh, they're right there in you at the same time. And they can cause problems. Most of the time when they do that, that's what they're there for. I had a lady down there in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and nobody was getting anywhere with her and for her deliverance. Then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit told me, he said, that's because of what was in her. And I called this thing up, and he told me, he said, listen, this was my wife. I still have authority over her, and she cannot escape me. And I, I quoted the scriptures that, you know, here God's law is to obey the law of the land. The land, the land, law of the land said that she can get a divorce, and she did. So that means that she was no longer his wife. And because of that, I have authority to, to destroy the kingdom of darkness. So anyway, the battle rolled on, and when it got through, that thing was screaming to come out of that woman. So, yes, uh, soul transfer is a real thing. Um, the the best thing to keep how to keep a soul transfer out of you or get it out of you is that you read the scriptures and quote them like Psalms, uh, Ecclesiastics, Proverbs, and what that does it gives you weapons to use against the enemy. And if you'll use them, that's why I said if you submit yourself unto God, that means you got to really believe with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that the scriptures are going to work for you. And resist the devil by letting him know, I, I'm going to feed my faith and not my doubt. Then it says he will flee from you. It doesn't say he flee from God. It said he will flee from you. Well, how many times you got to do it? Sometimes you got to keep on doing it for months, <laughs> days, sometimes only a second. It all depends on what's going on, what's, what's the assignment is. Some of the demons are assigned to be stubborn. Some of the witches and warlocks are assigned to, be, to make you uh, give up, make you think that it's not working. And because of that, then they break your faith. But if you keep on believing when you cannot believe, you keep on saying what you don't fully believe, but you keep believing that that's when the, the demons or the, the warlocks or anything else has to keep fleeing. It didn't say they, can't, they won't come back. It said they have to flee. And that's our job is to make them scared of us and not us of them. Did I answer your question? You did. Uh, just a, a, a different part to that. So um, I haven't that I know of ever dated a, a witch, mm-hmm. uh, but do you uh, are they able to do it only uh, through having sex with you, or are there other ways that they can make a connection to you that you should be uh, on the lookout for? Mm-hmm. That's another good question. Yes, uh, they can make connections with you through food, so you have to be very careful about what people give you to eat or give you to put in your house. I'll give you an example. This one lady, I went down to Columbia, and she had all these little uh, uh, cabbage patch, not cabbage patches, out little trolls. And some way that there was curses put on those 
that thing, and it was affecting her. It was somebody she knew. And I told her she got to get rid of them. She said, oh, no, these are, I done been collecting them ever since I was a kid. I said, listen, there's nothing I can do for you until you get rid of them. Soon as she threw those in the trash can, she manifested. That demon came up and was able to get it out of her. So, yes, you have to be careful about what people give you. Um, you can, might have somebody in your family that's uh, sacrificed your bloodline 10, 15 generations ago. You don't know it. And it wouldn't say, hey, get the next 10. It might wait and say, I want you to get specific, you know, the 14th generation, the 16th generation. And that's my, uh, my covenant with the devil. And the devil, hey, he's always looking for a covenant. And that's what he does. He, and here you are, you're born, you ain't did nothing. But then the devil waits for a, a legal right, as we call it. And here you are, you get a little older, and all of a sudden you start doing some things, and all of a sudden the devil hits you with a sledgehammer. And you don't know why everything's going so bad. You you didn't know about it. You try to break the curse, and you don't know how to break the curse. So the curse gets worse. And that's thing, That's why I said you have to watch out for what people give you, what food you eat, and uh, if there's a generational curse in there. Any more? Uh, um, well, no, that answered my question about the witchcraft. And, okay. Uh, the original question I had, though, I don't want to get too far off of the topic, but was in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, sir. So it was in Psalm 119 under... Uh, okay. I, yes, sir, under Ayin. Okay, wait a minute. Let me get to that first. Okay. It, it starts uh, 121 in my Bible. Okay. 121. Okay. Uh, what's your question? Uh, okay, so there's a verse in there. It's It's 126, and it says, It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. And I said to myself, now, I know the Bible isn't trying to tell the Lord that he needs to start working. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just, I was milling that around, and I said, no, let let me see if uh, Elder James has a different take on this. Okay. I was saying, now, what I normally do is I say I I read up, and then I read down and see what's going on. And with this, it's like, what, seven verses? So I look at it and say, I have done judgment and and justice. Leave me not to my oppressors. Be a surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. My eyes fail for uh, for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant accordingly to thy mercies. Teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give unto me understanding that I may know thy testimony. It is time for thee. And if you notice that thee is a uh, uh, it's in parentheses. I mean, it's uh, it's like it was added to it. And it said, it's time for, for thee, the Lord, to work. For they have made that word void. So what it's trying to say is, back in the Old Testament where uh, 
Joshua was fighting the battle, and the battle was uh, being lost because the, the sun was going down. And he told the Lord, and the Lord said, well, command you me. God loves to hear his word. He loves to hear his word. And so when it says it's time for the Lord to work, for they had made thy, uh, thy word void, or made thy, the same thing as the word, void thy law, he meant it's time for me to start quoting the scriptures and meaning the word of God and that this will change the situation. Now, it's really, really strange that it's written in there, but it's written in the book of uh, Psalms 119, which is also the Hebrew alphabet. So there was a word like if if you ever you've heard me do, I do deliverance using the Hebrew alphabet. And when he said it's time for you to work, he was talking about using the Hebrew alphabet, which is the Aleph Tau, Tau, the first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Everything was created by the word Aleph Tau. And it's because of, now I'm going a little bit deeper, because of the vibrations, frequencies, and noise that the Hebrew alphabet makes. And by it coming out of your mouth and saying it with confidence, this is what sets up that field to destroy the works of the enemy. Okay, did that clear it up? Oh, yeah. No, that that uh, cleared up. Uh, the confusion I had there, but you know, okay. I didn't want to start thinking to myself, "Well, mate, do I need to start commanding the Lord on some things here?" Or, <laughs> oh, all right. Well, even though He says, "Command you me," that, that means He uh, just wants you to speak His word. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, well that's you all have I a have blessed for day. You. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Dorothy. Pastor James, could you could you address the topic of Christian witchcraft? I think a lot of people oh, don't boy. understand that topic. Yeah, that's a big one, I know. Yes, another good question. Christian witchcraft is what we have in our churches, a lot of them. And they people just don't realize that these are not prophets, but they deal with familiar spirits. You'll hear people say, well, the Lord told me to tell sister so-and-so and that uh, uh, this is going to happen to the family, and, and next thing you know, these things started happening, and they can't figure out, well, well Lord, I, I, I done fasted, and I done prayed and all this. But what it is, you've got to be sure that's a man or woman of God speaking over you. You don't want everybody interpreting your life. This is what we call Christian witchcraft, also Yoga, yoga. They well, it's it's Christian yoga. We're we're just chanting. No, anytime you chant, you call on a demon. Especially in uh, yoga, they they call on a demon named Ohms, and they'll they say they're trying to quiet their their spirit man, and they keep going calling for this thing, and that's that's Christian witchcraft. Also, uh, uh, people. Are, you know, uh, there's people in the churches, and it's bad to say, but, uh, you know, there's people in the churches that will cook stuff to give you food that have curses on it. And they think it's nothing wrong. 
you know, uh, you hurt my feelings, so I'm just getting even with you. You did something to one of my friends, and I'm just getting even with you. That is witchcraft. Anytime you're trying to get even with somebody or you're trying to do what I call witchcraft, I wish things would go bad for you. And they're Christ- they're supposed to be Christians. But that's what we call Christian witchcraft. you have any more questions? Um, we have area code 913. Your mic is open. Yes, Pastor James. Uh, now, yes. churches that call themselves New Age, is that witchcraft? Uh, a lot of the churches that say they're in the New Age belief, yes, they're Christian witchcraft because, as they say, they don't uh, operate in the spirit of God, but they operate in the familiar spirit. They might use, and, and I, 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 I've seen people that do this, they use tarot cards, they'll use Ouija boards, and they say, well, the Lord is talking to me through this thing or through that thing. Or uh, a game that they play sometimes, it's called Bloody Mary, where they look in the mirror and, and say Bloody Mary over a certain time. But they have been able to look in the mirror and try to see things. That's why if you look, notice your your, your uh, TV, ca- uh, TV, uh, TV ca- uh, camera, what I'm trying to say, no, the TV screen, they're all black nowadays. And don't realize those things is what the witches and warlocks use to contact the other side of the uh, spiritual realm. Okay. Did I answer your question? Uh, well, I was going to ask you a couple more questions. Uh, I've heard of churches uh, reading tea leaves. Is that biblical? Okay. Now, usually the churches that read tea leaves, they call them spiritual churches. And what they do is that they they'll have you drink the tea, and then the tea leaves is in the uh, that's left in the cup, turn it over in the saucer, saucer, and then they'll take their finger and move around, and they're supposed to be able to read your future. So that is nothing but uh, sorcery, it's witchcraft, it's demonic. You stay away from those people. <clears throat> Now, are are they really reading anything in that, or are they having familiar spirits uh, tell them stuff? Well, when they do that, they're actually having familiar spirits talking to them. And if you see them, they can also take a, uh, a, a bowl full of water that they'll put certain things in there. And then they take their hands and dip it in there, and then they say, I'm dividing the spirit, and they throw it on the audience. Well, it is nothing more than, uh, as I say, since the demons are already in the spiritual realm, they already see what's going on. And what we call a familiar spirit is, they say, uh, John Smith was born on April the 1st. And when he was born, there was a demon that was assigned to him, plus an angel. So that demon that was assigned to him is called a familiar spirit. And he's with that person all the way until he dies. So once he dies, that demon does not go back to hell, but he walks around in dry places. And let's say you come into the house and you're looking to hear from your 
uncle that was born April 1st and is dead now. And uh, this psychic or channeler will say, okay, uh, I know what your uncle's name is. Your uncle's name is uh, John Smith. He was born April 1st. And John, you and him used to play together. Some of the secret jokes that y'all used to say was this. And you think, oh, this is Uncle John. This is Uncle John. And it ain't Uncle John. It's that familiar spirit that was with him, that was assigned to him when he was first born. So he'll know everything there is about John and everything about everything about John's life or anybody that's been with him. So that's another thing you need to stay away from when they talk about channeling or I'm a psychic, or I'm a prophet, and I'm going to tell you about Uncle John. Uncle John is where he's supposed to be and leave him there. As you notice, it says the Witch of Endor. When she, uh, when Saul came to her, trying to hear trying to hear from Samuel, and she thought a familiar spirit was going to come up. But instead of that, Samuel actually showed up and scared her. Well, I've, I've got another question, sir. Go ahead. I got plenty of time. <laughs> uh, do, do you? I know that you ta- uh, talked about witches being in the pulpit sometimes, but are they sometimes just literally out in the congregation? You know, on the in there on a on a mission to disrupt things. Yeah. In fact, but I'm glad you asked that question because there are, sometimes there are what they call uh, people that are assignment to go out to different churches to destroy the pastor or the people of the church. And they'll sit there and they look for the people who are the weakest link. They know the ones who've got the Holy Spirit in them because they can see the light. And if they don't see the light in you, that's where they attack. And they have what they call darts. Darts are real. That's why the Bible tells us, you know, when putting on the whole armor of God, that we use the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. On those darts, they have names written on there like worry, anger, dis, uh, disruption, uh, depression. And they sit in the church, and they look for the weakest one, and they throw darts in them. And then all of a sudden, that person's personality will change. It might change instantly. It may not change for weeks or months, but that thing is in them, and until that stuff is pulled out, they affect that person. I had to do a deliverance on a man that uh, his daughter was around a witch, and because he, uh, he didn't stop his daughter, she gave, gave her, that witch, a legal right to put darts in him. And the people that were men, men and women of God, they could see these darts. And when they pulled it out, he was screaming because this stuff is real. And then uh, also, uh, when the, when they're in the uh, in the audience and stuff, they don't normally come by themselves. They usually two or three of them in there. And then they also uh, they may even join your church. And become Sunday school teachers or deacons in the church. That's why the churches are so weak nowadays. They don't have the spirit of discernment like they should. And discernment means to be able to judge and see what is this, you know. You should be able to feel the fire of God in the church. You should be able to feel the presence of God when you go into a church. You should see miracles happening in the church because God is there. 
But if you don't see all of that and you see people moving into, uh, oh, uh, uh, forecasting stuff for you, like, oh, yeah, you're getting ready to get a new house and getting ready to get a new car and you ain't got to change your life, you're just going to live live like you are, and you got more than likely you got a witch or a warlock in there. Are, are there are there, requires, mm-hmm. are there some uh, uh, witches, or, or I guess it most likely be warlocks that have uh, like TV ministries that are u- using the, the the airwaves that way to to uh, to de- well to, de- to deceive people, I guess. Yes, you know the devil said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And the, one of the biggest ways of doing it is through the Internet and stuff. Uh, one demon that was being cast out of a person, he said his primary thing that they used in hell was their Facebook. And if you look at it, a lot of people, they put their information on the TV, on the Facebook thing, and all of a sudden they have a problem. They don't know why. Then you got these uh, some mega churches. They ain't teaching nothing but... Uh, what they call it, um, where they just they teach good things to make you laugh, to make you feel good, feel good preaching, feel good ministry and stuff. But prosperity. it doesn't do anything to change that. Yeah, prosperity and all this, but it, it does nothing to change that person's life. Jesus said he came to give us life that needs us to change and life more abundantly. It also said by Paul in Romans, it said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or making another thought of your mind. In other words, when you become uh, full of the Holy Spirit, you don't do like the rest of the world. You can't do like the rest of the world because uh, your conscience, which is the Holy Spirit, is going to whoop you. You know you're doing wrong. You're not happy being doing wrong. So it makes you want to turn around and do what's right. So, yes, you got these people that's uh, preaching the gospel uh, that, as I said, uh, they're not speaking the gospel, actually, because I told you the gospel is actually the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's talking about the uh, uh, that this person, the Messiah, talks about one person, the Messiah would do, be able to do miracles that nobody else has ever done and has never done since. And Jesus is the only one that fulfills it. And so anything else, uh, what they call it, encouraging person, trying to make you feel better, make you do better, no. You have to have the Holy Spirit or it's just faking and shaking. It's just nothing but flesh. All right. Did I answer your question, sir? Uh, well, so if if the church is cha- is changing the Bible just a little a little bit, you know, like uh, one one top topic I know of, like the Methodists had uh, uh, a vote to to uh, basically okay uh, homosexuality. Is is that witchcraft when they? When that church goes from the clear stating in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you asked that. It is truly witchcraft because witchcraft means rebellion. So anytime you change the word of God, you're in rebellion. And because of that, 
several of our denominations, which used to deal with the Holy Spirit and, and operate according to the Holy Spirit, are now into witchcraft. To give you an example, the uh, Mormonism church, when they first started with Joseph Smith, they used to do exorcism. They don't do it anymore. Uh, the Assembly of God, they used to uh, do exorcisms. And people say, well, what do you mean by exorcism? Cast out devils. That is one of the things that, as a child of God, gives us authority to prove that we are a child of God because we have authority over them. When Jesus sent his disciples out uh, two by two, and they went out there and started doing deliverance, the 70, they came back and said, even the demons are subject to us under your name. In other words, your, your name is what kicks them out. And that was part of the thing that when Jesus told us to go out, he told us to go out and cast out devils. If you look at the book of um, Mark, let me see. Let me glance at it real quick. Let me read it. But this is a normal Christian life. This is what it really, a really Christian life is. And this is what we should be moving in. And that is uh, Mark, the 16th chapter, and the 15th verse. It says, he said unto you, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow, follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. First thing he said, cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Then it gives you this last word right here. It says, so then afterwards, the Lord spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, sits at the right hand of God, and they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the words with signs following. So that's the thing. If we're speaking the word, signs are supposed to follow. If I preach about healing the sick, somebody should get healed. If I pre- uh, preach about uh, blind eyes open, somebody should get their blind eyes open sooner or later because it's the Lord working with us with the word. He loves to hear his word. Should, should a, a person that is a Christian, so should they be able to to do deliverance with, you know, I would assume just a little bit of training since they are truly not doing it, but Jesus Christ is. Amen. Amen. Well, this uh, person, he needs to be trained. Jesus trained his disciples before he let them go out there. But the more you understand that it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work, but that's how we tra- we're being trained, how to hear God. The more you learn to hear God, the more that the, that God can work with you. That's why I said that last part. And the Lord was working with them, with signs following. So if a, 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 I say a new Christian, uh, to give you an example, everybody don't speak in tongues when you get saved. Everybody doesn't have the gift of tongues. But you're going to have one of the nine gifts, and my gift was a word of knowledge. I told a friend of mine, as I was talking to him, I said, don't go out of this house because when you get up to the corner, they're going to run a stop sign and just about hit you. Another person, I told him, I said, your mother is on her knees right this second 
praying for you to get saved, and that was 2 o'clock in the morning. He did not want to hear that because he was with his girlfriend. But we called, and her, his mother was praying for him to be saved just then. So they say, if you're really a man or woman of God, the gifts are going to operate through you. It's the Holy Spirit at working severally as he will, and you don't have control over the gift. The gift has control over you, for it's the Holy Spirit. Well, sir, I, I, I think that's all my questions there. Well, I appreciate you calling and asking questions because you never know who all is besides ourselves, who else it might be helping. There's somebody uh, a little leery about calling in and stuff, but they hear the truth, and the truth will make them free. What is the truth? The word of God. Well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. You have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. You also. Okay. As I said, it's so nice to have people call in because then it, it stretches my mind and makes me realize, hey, Holy Spirit, if you don't tell me nothing, I ain't got nothing to say. And see, the more you learn about the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal but mighty through God, the pulling down of the stronghold, then you start finding out some of the weapons. One of our weapons that you hardly ever hear anybody speak about is Psalms 93. And it goes along with Psalms 24, that he is the king of glory. So let's listen to Psalms 23. It says, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherein he had girded himself. The world also is established, and it cannot be moved. The throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. But when you start saying that, you talk to the, you talk to the demons and you're declaring that the God that I serve is the Lord Jesus Christ. The God that I serve, he is majesty. He has got strength. He's able to uh, destroy the works of the devil. His, his kingdom is already established, and it's established in righteousness. Now, here's the second part. It says, that throne is established from old and from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their waves. The Lord is on high, is mightier than the noise of many waters, yet that the mighty waves of the sea. The testimony of very sure holiness becomes thy house, righteousness. In other words, O Lord, what is the flood? What is the flood? What is the flood and what is the water? It's talking about the people. When the righteous run and rain, the earth is in good shape. We shout. But when we're going through a depression of getting the wrong leaders up there, we're mourning. We're always in crying. Oh, Lord, why is this happening to me? Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Well, you can change things by speaking the word of God. I told you, Jesus loves to hear his word. He's the one who is the word of God. And and the more you learn the scriptures, the more you'll start using them. And then after a while, you'll understand the uh how God has been from generation to generation and and uh, blotting out our sins and our family sins because he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And being saved is calling upon the, uh, our family members to change and turn around. But see, a lot of times, and, and this is women and men too, but mostly women, they'll be praying unto God for the Lord, save my son, save my daughter. And it's 
soon God starts to do something, then they jump in and take it back in their hands, trying to help God. God doesn't need no help. Let God be God. If he has to wait till the last second to save a person, you don't know that. But let God be God. Yes, there's many people that, and I've seen, that have changed their lifestyle when their parents didn't get a chance to see it. They uh, they live uh, lived corrupt lives and all this, and all of a sudden, uh, the Lord makes a visitation. The Holy Spirit calls them because you can't get a person saved unless the Holy Spirit calls them. And when the Holy Spirit calls them, then they they have a tendency to start changing. Their, their mind starts changing. I I can't do like I used to. I don't hate like I used to and all of this. Then they start, you'll find it's the Holy Spirit doing the work. Well, Dorothy, do you have any questions? I do have just one more question on the Christian witchcraft. Okay. Um, uh, I, I've got to see if I can pose it correctly. That when we pray to override someone else's will rather than asking for God's will to prevail in their lives, is that not a form of witchcraft? Mm-hmm. That is, uh, well, that's part of that, what I was talking about earlier, wish, W-I-S-H-craft. And because of that, you're wishing that uh, things have changed, but you're not leaving it in God's hands. It's different than witchcraft. Witchcraft is uh, things that they you want, somebody wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But witchcraft is to, to try to change people to do what you want them to do. You're trying to get them to, according to what you think it should be. Did I answer your question? Yes, yeah, so it's it's very important how we pray for people, in other words. Uh-huh. Yes, to seek God's face and to pray the way God wants it to be prayed. And the way to do that is I tell people all the time, quiet your mind so you can hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and teach you how to pray. But we don't know how to pray as we ought to. So... If we allow him to talk to us, he'll lead us and guide us on how to pray. Like sometimes uh, a person says, uh, I need a job. Well, they need a job. They got a family. I wait, and the Lord, Lord will tell me how to pray. Pray for this person, and then tell them that uh, within certain such time, they're going to have the job. I told one lady, she was talking to me. She was telling me about she wanted a job. I said, they're going to call you by Monday. <laughs> and it was Sunday. And they called her, and she got hired for the uh, what they call that place, Homeland Security. Another lady I was talking to, and this demon was in her, and I cast the demon out. He said, "I'm the one that keeps her from getting promotions. I'm the one who keep her from getting anything good in life." As soon as that thing came out of her, the next day she got a promotion at her job, which she ain't had in years, and also got hired to work at the post office the same day. So. The thing is, when we pray the will of God, then we see the manifestation of God. But when we're trying to pray our own will upon somebody, that's a lot of times you don't see it come to pass. Okay. Anything else? No more hands up. 
So I would like oh, to okay. tell um, area code 702, I think if you press the one again, the hand goes down. So that way, if you get another question, you can put your hand back up. But that's it right now. All right. As I said, if there's anybody out there that this is the time to ask questions, especially about uh, curses and stuff, how to break those curses, you know. And I'm on here because of a reason. I want to explain what God explains to me so it can help you. I've seen all kinds of miracles. My, I'm one of the few people that can really say that I got 10 kids and none of them are in jail. That's a miracle in itself. I got grandkids, 22 grandkids, none of them in jail. That's another miracle in itself. But it's because of, of not because of the way I pray or anything. It's because how the Holy Spirit has my family to pray. Like my mother prayed for me for 33 years for me to change my life. And all of a sudden, one night, as they say, all it takes is one night, Jesus made a visit, changed my whole life. And that's what he wants to do for each and every one. But the main thing is to really to learn what is the gospel, the true gospel. And in fact, let me just read something that we need to study a little bit, and then I'll go back to Acts. Let's go to Revelation, the first chapter, and the first verse. Revelation, the first chapter, and the first verse. And here's the thing. We want to know what is the gospel. What is the true gospel? This is the true gospel, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel or messenger to his servant John. So in other words, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ is the prophecy, the prophecy of him, showing the things that must surely come to pass and letting people know before it happens, this is going to happen. And that's what we did in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, when we heard about a woman would have a baby. Now, we all know it's men that have seed, not women. But God can do anything but fail. And what his words prophesied came to pass, way thousands and thousands of years later, it came to pass in the, in the word of Jesus Christ, where it says the second verse, it says, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things he saw. In other words, he said, now listen, this is what the, the record is. The record is prophecy. Prophecy. It's all about one person. It ain't about 10 people or 20 people. It's all about one person, the Messiah, the one who came, the one who died, the one who rose again, the one who sits at the, at the uh, right hand of the Father. It says, the third verse says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hears the word of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. It's near. It's happening. The things that the prophecy that was being prophesied came to pass. When Jesus said that uh, he talked to the fig tree and he said nobody will eat of this fig tree anymore, 
he was talking about Israel, and Israel ceased to become a nation in 19, I mean, in 70 A.D., and did not become a nation again until 1948. Prophecy is real. Jesus is the prophecy. There is only one true God as the God that can prophesy everything before it happens. He knows the, from the beginning. He knows it all. He is the omnipotent one. He's the one who looks over us, and we have angels assigned to us. But they're not going to move without hearing the word of God. So that's why I tell people, study scriptures, study Psalms, study Proverbs, study Ecclesiastics. Because like in Ecclesiastics, you can quote things that there's a time and a purpose for everything in a season. And it brings you back to reality that, look, things are going to change, but it's when God says so. It ain't what I say, it's what God says. And then when you start bringing, uh, start to... uh, to uh, come off your ego or off your uh, pride and start uh, humbling yourself, the more you'll learn, the more you'll see, the more you'll understand that God truly do love us, but he has a standard, and he wants that standard to be met. Well, let's go here to Acts, the 12th chapter. Yeah, say we we're moving right along through the book of Acts, ain't we? <laughs> Acts the twelfth chapter. Now about this time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he perceived further to take Peter also. These were the days of the unleavened bread, so in other words the Passover. And when he had uh apprehended him, he put him in jail and delivered him unto four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayers, see how much important it is? And what kind of prayers? You start praying the scriptures. I'm telling you, you'll get more than you just Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. He is not a genie. He is God, and you bring in petitions before him and speaking according to the word of God, which the Holy Spirit will teach you and guide you into all truth. Who is truth? Jesus is the truth. But prayers were made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod had brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and kept and keepers, keepers before the door kept the prison. No way they were trying to make sure Peter didn't get out of there. And behold, the angel of the Lord came unto him, and a light shined in prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hand. Can you imagine? Here you are in prison. You got people all around you can't do nothing but signs, wonders, and miracles. Here's a sign that the people kept praying. A wonder, an angel showed up. That's somebody that's not of us, this world. And miracles, the handcuffs fell off, the chains fell off of his hand. And the angel said unto him, the eighth verse, Gird yourself, bind thy sandals. So he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment around thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and was not that it was 
true, which was done by the angel, but he thought it was a vision. In other words, this thing was happening, but Peter just didn't believe it was really happening. He just thought it was a vision or he was dreaming or something. But actually, it was really happening. And when they uh, went past the first and second ward, there came unto them the iron gate that led into the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed through one street, and forth the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know with surety that the Lord has sent an angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he considered this day, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. You want to get something going on, get with somebody who knows the scriptures. Mary was right there with Jesus. They learned the scriptures. He expounded on the scriptures. The scriptures is where the power is. The authority is in Jesus. His authority is what he says, and the power is in the word. So if you have the authority and the power, you can do all things to Christ who strengthens you. And so now he's outside the gate. The gate opened up on its own accord. Can you imagine? Here's this angel walking with him. He's not even sure he's walking with an angel. But like I, I tell people all the time, you will see angels. You may not recognize them, but you will see angels. You'll hear their angel, angels' voices over the radio where it says that uh, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for many have entertained angels unaware. How do you know if it's an angel in a person? The angels come, and they can either produce a body, or they can enter into another body. Once they're in the person's body, their thoughts are changed. Their mindset is changed. They hear the Holy Spirit, and they speak, but the Holy Spirit tells them to speak, and no more. Now, once you hear the Holy Spirit and you speak with the Holy Spirit, the angels obey the word of God, and everything else will too. As you see, the chains fell off Peter's hand, uh, the doors opened up for him, and he's walking past these people, and they ain't seen him, and they got all these guards around him and stuff. But then, uh, and say, first thing he did was head for where the prayer service was. So let's get to 13. As Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a damsel named Harkin, named Rhonda, and when she knew Peter's voice, she opened out the gate. <laughs> for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter was still before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly, uh, but she was constantly affirming that it was even so. Then said they, It's his angel. Now, our angels, we have an angel assigned to us as when you're born. And that angel looks just like you. It looks like you, but it's all grown up. It ain't no baby. Like you're a baby and all that, and, and you go through the uh, formative years and stuff. No, he looks around 30. Your angel looks around 30, what you look at at 30. And so here they are uh, confirming it's his angels. But Peter continues knocking, and when he had opened the door, he saw him, and they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with his hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And, and he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. 
Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir about the soldiers, what was become of Peter. Can you imagine? Here they got all these soldiers around him, and yet still he walked out of the prison. They didn't see him, signs, wonders, and miracles. That's why I love the book of Acts. It has everything, every every chapter I read so far, signs, wonders, and miracles, constantly over and over Pastor. again. Mm-hmm. Pastor, we have a question. Area okay. code 636, your mic is open. Hi. Hello. Hello. Area code 636. Hey, how you doing? What can I do for you? Mm, I have a question. Okay. Why is God the, the strongest and tallest in heaven? Wait a minute. You have to talk a little louder for some reason. I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Why is God the most tallest and strongest in heaven? Oh, okay. Why? In other words, you're saying, why is he God then, huh? Is that the question you're asking? Yes, I'm sure. Okay. What it is, God is, uh, there's no word to describe God. He has no body, he has no form, nothing. But uh, he was here all by himself. There was nobody here but him. And because he was here, something. And Mike is getting feedback or something. Anyway, because he was the only one here, he created beings that he could have fellowship with. And by he has what we call the tenth heaven. If in the tenth heaven there is nobody but him, but then he created nine more areas below him so he could have people to have fellowship with. And each one of those heavens, he's got beings or creations. Uh, there that uh, he's able to fellowship with. So this is why that he is the most high God because without him there would be nothing here. He's the only, He was already here. He'll always be here. If he decided to stop thinking about it even for one second, everything would be wiped out and he would still be here. Did I answer your question? Yes. Okay. Okay. Can I ask another question? Um, I have another question. Okay. Do angels have wings? Oh, that's a that's a good one. No, not all angels have wings. Uh, and the the wings is something that God designed. He's, as I say, he's a, he's a creator. He, he designed things, and he wanted, you know, as I say, he 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 wanted people or people to fellowship with. So he created some creations with four faces on them. He created some creations with wings on them. Uh, he created uh, others with different types of body on them. But it's just for 
just because he wanted to create something to look like that. They don't actually have to need their wings. They can fly without wings. One of uh, the ones that you normally see with wings are called cherubs, and then you have what they call oral films, and they're fire. They're, they're, they're completely on fire. And then you also have what they call uh, uh, seraphims. As I said, there's, God just creates things. He loves creation. All right. Did I answer your question about the wings and stuff? Hello? Yes. Okay. Thank you. In fact, a friend of mine, uh, she met an angel once that had wings. And uh, the angel pulled off a feather and gave it to her. And to this day, she still has that feather. Awesome. Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I named this program Signs, Wonders, and Miracles, because I've been with so many people that have seen things, so many uh, miracles that I've seen. I've seen uh, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen people come back from the dead. Uh, This one man, uh, Bishop Jordan, he uh, has a church here in Kansas City, and this lady called him up and told, told him over the phone that her husband has died. And she wanted him to come to the hospital and raise him. Now, here's the thing. She belongs to a Baptist church. She don't believe in that. But since her husband was dead and she wanted her husband, that's, that's a good wife. They don't, don't, want, don't want to give up. Called him over the phone. And so as she was talking to him over the phone, the doctor took the phone from her and said, listen, this man is dead. We done called him dead. He's been dead for about an hour now. There's nothing you can do. And he said, "Will you tell this crazy lady let us go so we can take the take the body out of here?" He said, "Well, give her the back the phone." So he gave her gave her back the phone. He said, "Take that phone, stick it by your husband's head." She stuck it by the head, and he, he said, "In the name of Jesus, rise up!" And that man rose up, coughed seven times, and the doctor fainted. <laughs> well, but as I say, but that's why I believe in everything in this Bible says. Is signs, wonders, and miracles. As I talked about last week, or the last time I was on, blessings is an everyday occurrence. God blesses you to be able to breathe on your own, to be able to eat on your own. That's blessings. But a miracle is something outside the realm of of uh, the supernatural or the natural. It's supernatural. And that's where we're supposed to walk at. We're supposed to walk in the supernatural. All right. Any other questions? Well, I have one more question. Okay. How did he like make everything? Great. Uh, how did God make everything? Yeah. How did he like great? Wait a minute. I'm misunderstanding. Okay. You said how did God make everything, or how he prayed, or what did he say? How did he create create everything? Like, like how did he build it up and in crap? Okay, the way God created everything is called sounds, vibration, and noise. That's why it says in the beginning, it says God said, "Let there be light." There was light. 
it was sound, vibration, and noise. In other words, first thing is God thinks he creates a vibration. Everything that's here, even though you, you touch the wood and it's solid, is really vibrating. The planet is vibrating. Everything is vibrating. So God is trying, as God creates things, he speaks things into existence. And that's how we got everything here. The trees were spoken into existence. Everything that is here that you see is uh, was spoken into existence, and it vibrates. And it has a sound. It has a noise. That's why Jesus said, if, if the disciples, they told the disciples, well, y'all be quiet. And he said, if I tell them to be quiet, the, the rocks would cry out. And you, you start checking, you find out that the rocks have a vibration and they have noise. But even though we can't hear, it's just like some of the animals. They can hear pitches that we cannot hear. But it doesn't mean there's, that sound doesn't exist. It does. And that's how God created everything, according to his thoughts in his mind, which is the uh, Hebrew letter, which is the fifth Hebrew letter, thought, speak, and action. Whatever God thought, he speak it, and then the action will happen. So that's how he created everything, the birds and everything. So if you go back to Genesis, you'll find that he spoke everything into existence. And then he wrote it, had us written in the book so we can go back and read what he did. That's awesome. Any other thing? That's all. Any other questions? Yeah, okay. Well, oh, thank you for calling in. I always appreciate people calling in and asking questions. Believe me, because it challenges me too, and I got to hear from the Holy Spirit, and it makes. Hey, I love hearing from the Holy Spirit. I love fellowshipping with Him. So I want to thank everybody who calls in and everything else. All right. Is there any more questions? Nope. That's all. Okay. Well, let's look at get back here to Acts, the twelfth chapter. As I tell y'all, anytime you want to interrupt, go ahead and call in, please. I'm saying, let me see. I'm getting here the twelfth chapter. What was that? As I told you, this is why I like the Book of Acts because it's so full. Every Every chapter you read will have signs, wonders, and miracles. And so, uh, the 19th verse, And when Herod had sought him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death and went around and went down to Judea to Caesarea and there abode it. And Herod was highly displeased with them, tires and sighted. But they came in with one accord to him, and having made uh, Basta, the king's chamberman, their friend, desired peace, because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon, and upon a set day, Herod, arraigned in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made a speech unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, oh, boy, this is how you get in trouble. It is the voice of a God and not a man. And immediately an angel smote it. The Lord smote it him because he gave not God the glory and that he was eaten by worms and gave up the ghost. 
But the word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Silas returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. In other words, here this this uh, king, Herod, when the people said, it's not a voice of a man, it's a voice of a God, he should have got himself out of trouble right then and said, no, I am a man. But because he did not give God the glory, supernatural, an angel came and put worms in him. And he died with worms crawling out of his skin and stuff. Suffered really bad in front of all those people. But see, the thing is, just because God doesn't always kill somebody or God doesn't always punish somebody right away, we think we can get away with things. But God is long-suffering and does not want anyone to, to die, that no soul, no soul would be lost. But there is sometimes you're going to cross that line, and when you do, there is a consequence for it. Well, we did two scriptures. We did two uh, things today, uh, Acts 11 and Acts 12. And so then we'll start on 13 next, uh, not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after next. You know, saying, if there's anybody that wants to know any want prayer for anything, this is a good time to call me in. Because I've seen miracles over the phone. Like I told you, this one lady, her 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 daughter was attacked by a warlock, and like I tell people, I'm not God. My name is James, and He does the work. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work. And if we rely on Him and not on ourselves, then the Holy Spirit will reveal Himself and do miracles. All right. Well, Mary, do you have any comments or anything? I mean, Dorothy. Uh, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know, yes, I do have have a bit of a question on our angels. Okay. okay. Because that's always that's a big mystery how that all works. Is our spirit man and you know our angels? Um, I had a friend. I have a friend. Sorry, mm-hmm. who had okay. a dream vision. And he was outside of a bubble in heaven. And he pushed his nose up to the bubble and he saw himself. Now, I know (laughs) when we receive the spirit, we're like walking in two realms at the same time. We walk in the spirit and we walk in the flesh world. So was that his angel or was that his spirit man? He saw his spirit man. Okay. The angel, even though it looks like us, he it is is separate. It's there to help us to hear, you know, hear from the Holy Spirit to help us uh, when we're in trouble and stuff. But he doesn't do anything without somebody praying. A lot of times people say, "Well, I ain't praying a miracle happened for me." That's because you wasn't praying. Somebody else was praying for you. There's uh, times when. Uh, People will be like myself, 3 o'clock in the morning, God will tell you to pray for somebody. You don't even know who they are. And you pray and you call their names and everything else, and there's no way for you to know that person's name. And yet and still, they they, they don't know you, and you're actually praying for them. And to give you another example, I was up in Baltimore, and uh, I was ministering at a church, and all of a sudden I seen this lady sitting off on the side, 
And I said, you, your name is Mary. And she looked at me, yeah, my name is Mary. And I said, and this is what the Lord told me to tell you. And when I got through, she said, two weeks ago, a prophet had came in and told her the exact same thing. Well, that's just all I did was confirm what God had already told her. And just like myself, I was at a park here in Kansas City, and this prophet walked up to me and he said, you have a spirit of poverty on you. I said, okay, <laughs> what am I supposed to say? And then he said, I'll just stand here, I'll be right back. And he walked away and he came back with this other guy and he said, this is Apostle so-and-so from uh, down in, uh, oh, what is that, Tennessee. And he said, uh, the, the apostle looked at me and he said, you got a spirit of poverty on you. I said, okay. He said, I'm going to speak a word in your life and you'll never be broke again. I said, Okay. And that was it. He didn't say nothing. He didn't lay hands on me. He didn't bring no curses, no nothing. He said, I speak a word. That's the way God does. He speaks things into existence. Well, I went down to Oklahoma to preach, and this lady walked up to me. She said, the Lord told me to talk to you. I said, okay, what is that? She said, uh, he said, the Lord told me to tell you, you'll never be broke again. I said, okay, thank you. Now, you got to remember, this lady was nowhere in Kansas City. This is, I've been down in Oklahoma. Well, I get up, in, in, up into the pulpit, I preach, I come down the other way. Another lady walks up, she said, the Lord told me to talk to you. I said, what did he say? He said, to tell you, you'll never be broke again. Well, that's been 20 years, and I have not been broke, and I have no missed meal cramps. <laughs> the Lord has always supplied all of my needs, according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And when we say that, that's something I need to teach on real quick. When it says that God supplies all of our needs according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus, it's the answer coming down. There's, there's the answer, uh, quite, uh, I mean, uh, uh, your request going up and the answer comes down. So that's why you say, by Christ Jesus. So it's coming from heaven down. When you pray to heaven, you go, Jesus Christ. I pray in the authority of Jesus Christ. I receive from the uh, heaven through Jesus Christ. So this is the thing. When you get ready to pray, pray the scriptures. Pray the scriptures. The scriptures is salvation for all of us. We're all saved through the one God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, which is referred to as in Gen- I mean, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God the same as was in the beginning. In other words, everything was created by by the word, and I told you all a little bit deeper about its vibration, uh, frequencies, and noise. When God speaks, the world listens. <laughs> now, they could either accept it or reject it. Anytime you reject God's word, you're into witchcraft. That's rebellion. Anytime you add to God's word, when he says uh, that uh, it should be a man and a woman together, not two men and two women together, then you're in rebellion. And you can call yourself a Christian, but you're still in rebellion, and that is Christian, uh, which uh, what they said first at Antioch, Christian witchcraft. So let's live a holy life. I was saying to myself, I'm uh, I hate to hate what I have to do sometimes, which means uh, I'm single and I ain't did anything, and 
I want to get married. <laughs> but, hey, I want to please God more than I want to please me. And the more you want to please God, the more he'll allow you to please him. And that's when you'll get to see the blessings of God, the miracles of God, the signs and wonders of God. Yep. So if anybody here in Kansas City, uh, it's a little late, but uh, his name is, uh, what was his name? Uh, he's a, He used to be a warlock, and now he's saved. I'm trying to think what his name is. He's here in Kansas City preaching. Mm. Can't think of his name. Come to me later. But anyway, uh, if there's no more questions, I'm going to go ahead and pray for people. I'm giving you all a few more minutes to call in and stuff. you have anything? No, I did. Larson? Was it Bob Larson Ministries that you're associated with? Yes, I'm with Bob Larson Ministries. I'm the area director for him. Okay, I saw him on It's Supernatural with Sid Roth the other day. Oh, really? Cool. It was a good program. <laughs> yeah. And I thought of you. Mm. I said, isn't that the guy? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. He, in fact, I was just with uh, Bob Larson about a week ago when I was down in Dallas. And he didn't even tell me he was going to be on Sid Roth. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I look at Sid Roth a lot. And um, him and a, a few other ministries, because I I'm firmly convinced that God's last move that He's getting ready to do now is going to be a lot about deliverance, casting out demons, getting the children back to loving their family, and the family back to loving the children. That's what it says in the Book of Malachi. So, as I say, I'm a little. I don't know what time it is because. As I say, my my clock is off. Okay, we've got about five minutes left before we go into archive. So, yeah, I I like Deb Ross. It's so edifying to hear, you know, because he always has those people on that are um, in the supernatural. Supernatural. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's supernatural. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. This preacher yeah. I was trying to talk about just now, he'd been on Sid Ross a couple of times, and he was the devil's son. And uh, the Lord came and saved him. He put uh, curses on people. It was not John Ramirez, but it was another guy. And he's here in Kansas City preaching tonight. I, said, I didn't get a chance to see him because I forgot about the broadcast. So, uh, hey, the broadcast comes first. Everything else comes second for me. <laughs> There you go. Because oh, you never know when it's going to be somebody going to be listening, some man, some woman, some boy or girl, and they're going to hear the word of God, and it's going to change their life. I've seen so many people that were getting ready to commit suicide. They come over to the church, and the Lord has blessed. It changed their mind. In fact, about it right now, and I'm not bragging, but the Lord did it. We have 100% that nobody has killed themselves. In 38 years. 38 years. So I'm happy about what the Lord does because it's all about the mind. That's where the battle is. That's why it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's the mind. That's where the battle is. 
if people would just fully understand when you get ready to do deliverance, it ain't speaking at the demon and saying hopefully it works. You got to have it in your mind. It's going to work. I don't like demons. Demons don't like me. The war is on. Even though I can't hit him uh, naturally, I can hit him supernatural by hitting the spirit realm, by using the word of God. And the more we use the word of God, the stronger we become. That's why the Bible says uh, uh, two people that they really don't, most people don't consider. It says the timid unbelievers will have their part in the lake of fire. That means the scaredy cat, the one that's afraid. Well, I don't want to do that because it will upset the other people if I talk about Jesus. It will upset the people if I tell them the truth about what the word says. You better be afraid of Jesus more than you are afraid of what the people are going to say. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and pray for people. Heavenly Father, as I come before the throne room of grace and mercy and peace and love and the Holy Spirit, thanking you for this day that you have made, that we will rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you for going ahead of us, behind us, beside us, inside of us, giving us a reward because of your presence. We thank you for the angels that you have sent to minister to us. We thank you for the messengers of God that comes through the word of God, that you have the prophets going forth to prophesy your son, the one and only son, your only begotten son, to come through the volume of the book as is written of him, and then coming through history, down through the history, and then fulfilling himself at a certain time, bringing it forth that the word of God is true and it is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And now that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, we're looking for the rest of the prophecies to be fulfilled about him coming back and getting getting his church, getting married to the, the bride, and coming back and ruling and reign this earth for a thousand years where we'll be under perfect harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ and that he is our King of kings, Lord of lords, and God of gods and that all blessings flow from him, and that we're going to be in the supernatural, that we'll have supernatural bodies where we don't hurt anymore, that we'll have supernatural minds, that we'll have the mind of Christ, that we'll be able to speak things into existence and enjoy the fellowship with the one true God, the God that created us all. Father, I'm careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus Christ's name, and we all say amen. Amen. I love that word, amen. (laughs) Yep. In the Hebrew word, it means truth. It's pronounced emit, and it means truth. So when they used to go to court, they say, I'll tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but but the truth, then that emit or amen. A lot of times in the colleges, they say it means so be it. But with Hebrew words, it can be so be it, because it can be ten different words. But it's so more to you. When you think of it, it means truth. What I just read is the truth. What I just said is the truth. And the truth is Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, Darth, I'm going to let you go. I'm sorry I was a little late. I'm going to have to get this clock of mine set up right. <laughs> and I'll be on. I'll talk to you in about two weeks. Okay, thank you so much. You have a blessed night. And Father, bless Mm -hmm. everyone out there. and Have a blessed couple of weeks. 
And I'll just say good night, everybody. Mm -hmm. Good night. Have a blessed day.